0: Here we are again, good to be with you, good to see you all this morning, and uh, we're gonna be in the book of Daniel as we have been for the last uh, month or two, and uh, so you could open up there. Uh, I encourage you to bring a Bible these days because we've taken them out of the pews, or you can open up your phone uh, if you have the Bible app, and uh, that would be great. So, um, yeah, Daniel 7 is where we're gonna be. Maybe I will turn there myself. I was thinking as reading these verses and, and uh, we, we get into some interesting language and, and scenes here as we get, move into the second part of Daniel uh, and, and the things that that uh, bring us fear and that we're afraid of. And I go, you know, I don't have a whole lot of, of fears that I can necessarily think of. and uh, And yet, then I go, you know what I'm most afraid of is like, being out of control. You know, Brooklyn is in uh, Cottage Grove this summer and preparing to go to college, and so that I have some fear about, like, she's out of my control. And then I look at this and I go, you know, what I've taught about control is that control isn't a real thing. It's only ever the illusion Of control, and so I have a fear of not having the illusion of control. I just like to live in naivety that things are actually under my control, and uh, and yet those are scary things, you know. As if it wasn't bad enough that Brooklyn's taken off to college in the fall, she goes and gets a job a couple hours away for most of the summer. And she's gone, and she's a camping, and she's investing in, in lives. And I uh, got to spend last week with junior campers and, uh, and sharing the stories of Jesus. And so I'm like, all right, I guess I can let go of control because I think somebody else has got it. Uh, but that's kind of where we will start and end this morning. But in the meantime, let's jump into chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. Uh, and right here in Daniel, there is a major shift, as I said. The first half of it, uh, first six chapters are uh, about uh, his story. It's kind of a historical account. Now, Daniel's not a historian. Uh, he is a prophet. But it's his stories of what had happened in time and place being brought out of his homeland into exile or into captivity under Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar living through a number of kings and being able to serve in the ways that God had led him to serve as he sought just to be obedient and to hear God and what he was talking about and where he was leading Daniel to act and sometimes not to act. And so he was in this continual uh, lifelong process of trying to be obedient. Now in chapter 7 though, We move from the historical accounts into the prophetic uh, words and visions and and things that Daniel had seen and interpreted. And so what we have here is uh, Daniel Platt in the book Exalting Jesus said, In a sense, the first half of the books gives the credentials of the prophet, the reliability of the messenger. And so the second half gives his message. And so maybe as we move into these verses, and as confusing as they may be at times, they were for me, this is the real content of what David's life was about, was about prophecy and sharing uh, what he had seen. And that was his role in large part with the kings that he had been under. And so we'd start in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, belshazzar he is Belteshazzar, uh, Daniel is That guy, Belteshazzar, but in the first year of the king, Belshazzar of Babylon. Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head and he lay as he lay in his bed and then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter, okay? And so here we are. Now Now again, he's not as concerned with history and so this jumps out of time a little bit. Last week in chapter 6, we saw Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's probably about 80 years old at that point in time and so we're rewinding 15 years and the rest of this book uh, will kind of play out like that. It doesn't take place necessarily in chronological order and so we rewind 15 years. To the to the first year of the reign of King Belshazzar now that's a guy that decided to throw a party and and he brought all of of the bowls and the cups uh, that had been used in worship of God and he used them for his party to impress his friends and uh, paid for it with his life okay but this is the first year of that King's reign and then we'll hear some of the content is actually talking about in that time uh, then it jumps into the future and then there's a little past and you like we just just watched a few minutes of Back to the Future 3. Uh, Yesterday it was on TV and I was like, oh yeah, I remember how confusing this is. Like, are they in the future? Are they in the past? They just left and the end of movie two starts at the beginning of movie one and that's kind of how Daniel uh, plays out here. So bear with us as we go through it. Uh, Verse two says, Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different one from another." And so he's setting this scene, this vision that he had. And he said that he wrote it down and he was telling people about it. But he starts with, there was winds from the four corners of the earth stirring up the great sea. And so the great sea, we see a number of different times in Scripture. In the book of Isaiah, it says, ah, the roar of many peoples. They roar like the roaring of the seas, the raging of the nations. They rage like the rumble of rushing water. And in Revelation, the angel said to me, the waters that you saw are the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the different languages. And so we have this picture of the stirring seas, the winds whipping up the seas, and the seas are peoples and nations. Okay, And out of them, he said, there were four great beast. Now Daniel is going to tell these things in such a way that we have a visual. And so just really try to go there and and see this picture in your mind of winds whipping up the seas and this ferocious sea that is taking place. And whatever it is that your your, uh, mind's eye sees in that says this, the first of the beasts was like a lion and he had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. Now this language should look a little bit familiar to us. You see, this part is actually talking about Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was probably the grandfather, maybe great-grandfather of the current King Belshazzar. Okay, And, And we heard this story of him before. In fact, a number of different books of prophecy talk about uh, Nebuchadnezzar as a lion and as an eagle, Ezekiel 17.3. A great eagle with great wings and long pinions, rich in plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon, and he took the top of the cedar, this picture of this eagle taking command and control over this tree that overlooked the land. Again in Jeremiah, behold, a lion... Coming up from the jungle of the Jordan, verse 19 and then 22, behold, one shall mount up and fly swiftly like an eagle and spread his wings. And so here is this picture of King Nebuchadnezzar. And what does it say of him? He was a lion with eagle's wings, but his wings were plucked from him. A couple weeks ago when we were looking at this account of Nebuchadnezzar as he had pride welling up in his soul and, and Daniel warned him, please be humble, be merciful to those that are around you. And yet King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't, he wasn't humble. He looked over the land and he said, look at all that I have created, all that I have built and God humbled him. And he says they gave him the mind like a beast, and, and he was out in the wilderness for seven seasons, and, and until he recognized who God was. And as he recognized who God was, it says that God lifted him up. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 7. He says that uh, the wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. He was lifted up. He didn't lift himself up. God lifted him up. And then it says that he gave him the mind of a man because during that season, Nebuchadnezzar went crazy. But God gave him his mind back as he humbled himself, as he understood who God was, as God over and over was saying, I am sovereign over all things. I have control Over all things, and I will give authority only to those that I choose to give authority to. So, this first beast clearly a picture of of Babylon and of King Nebuchadnezzar, but he goes on, uh, let's see here in verse 5, to describe another beast. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. Are you getting a visual of what this looks like? I mean, I, I'm not quite sure. We see a little bit later, and, and we'll get to it in a second. But it says that Daniel, as he woke up, his color changed. Like he was terrified. He was frightened of the things that he had seen in these visions. And, and most historians agree about this one as well. That this second one, this bear, was the the, the Persian, the the Medo-Persian empire that would come and was about to take over at the time that this vision was had. You see, under Daniel and the lion's den, it was King Darius who was the king of the Medes. And it says that the bear was lifted up propped to one side, and that's because the Persians were slight, slightly stronger uh, than the Medes in this conquest. And so they were always the stronger side of this duo who was taking over the world. Daniel verse chapter 7, verse 6. After this I looked, and behold, another. Like a great leopard with four wings of it uh, as a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. This is widely accepted as as uh, the. Uh, let's hear that. It was Greece. And actually, the picture of a leopard is actually thought to be one of Alexander the Great. As Alexander would overthrow the Persian Empire, and then he would sweep through the land, uh, going over to India, even, and conquered most of the known world in a short amount of time. And then, according to Daniel's words here, it says that it was divided into four kingdoms. And in fact, we know from history that as Alexander the Great died in 323 B.C., his generals started to war within themselves, and they ended up cutting up Alexander's kingdom into four different kingdoms. And so we have Daniel uh, talking about things that had already taken place with Nebuchadnezzar, talking about things that were just about to happen and then foretelling hundreds of years in the future of what was going to take place. But he doesn't stop there, verse 7 and 8. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth, and it devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So then a fourth beast that was unlike the others that had come before it, and it was stronger, and it trampled the others that had come before as well, and it took over. Now, there's not as, quite as much agreement on what this is talking about in history. A lot of people would say Rome, yeah, absolutely Rome, the Roman Empire that would come in and and take control of all of this area, but maybe it goes beyond that. Maybe it goes not only from the past and the present, but in the future and well into the future, maybe talking about the Roman Catholic Church maybe talking about britain the us countries in that region there's not everybody is not quite sure because these are speaking things of some that had passed but some that had yet to come now, this is actually a parallel vision to the one Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2 of Daniel. You remember he saw a statue, and the statue had a golden head and a silver chest and brass thighs and legs uh, of iron. Do you remember that vision? And Nebuchadnezzar had this vision, and, and Daniel had, had talked about these four kingdoms that would come. Except in that vision, there was another. It says that there was a stone cut out of a mountain. That was not hewn from human hands, but it was cut out and it came and destroyed all that came before it. And we're going to get to what that is talking about here in a second. But before that, I want to jump forward to verse 15. But before that, I'm going to take a drink. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning this, and so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise up out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom that possesses the kingdom forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, "'Which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, "'with its teeth and iron claws of bronze, "'and which devoured and broke into pieces, "'and stamped out what was left with its feet, "'and about the ten horns that were on its head, "'and the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, "'and the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, "'and that seemed greater than its companions. "'As I looked, this, th- this horn made war with the saints.' And prevailed over them until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. And so we start to see here, these are historical events that happened in the past, but he's also talking about things that have yet come to pass. And thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces for the 10 horns out of his kingdom, 10 Kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and he shall put down three Kings. He shall speak words against the most high and he shall wear out the saints of the most high and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times and half of a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed by the end and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and their dominion shall serve and obey them. Here's the end of this matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So here we have this picture, and I got to tell you, as I'm reading these verses, and uh, um, as I'm looking at the rest of this book going, how the heck do I teach this? I mean, really, we need to take a a break from this series to go into a mini-series that would cover Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Revelation, and all of that. It should only take like four years, and then we can come back, and we can cover the last few chapters of Daniel. It's just so much and so all-consuming, and so as I'm looking at this, I'm I'm reading another book. It's called Spent Matches uh, by Roy Moran. And he's talking about how in Western culture, we're so consumed by coming up with conclusions that then some great orator stands up at a pulpit and convinces the people of why those are the correct conclusions that we forget to allow people to be a part of the process. I was at a church for a short season, and their pulpit was up high. It was elevated five or six feet, and then it was made out of cinder block like this great fortress of a pulpit, okay? And, and, and it felt so separated from the people. And, and so like I'm an, in, well, I guess I was, a, I was the associate pastor and I'm young, probably 22 or 23. And I was like, I'm not getting up there. I'm just not going there. So I like grabbed a music stand and I just put it on the floor. And I'm like, look, I'm struggling through God's word with you. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not going to stand up on high to lay down conclusions that I have thought through, because I went to Bible college or whatever. it's not that impressive. Let me tell you. But I spend time in God's word, and I'm struggling through this, and Roy Moran in his book, again, is talking about that process, and he says, "You know what? So often we're concerned with being teachers. We need to maybe think of ourselves more as learning designers. It's like, how can we learn together? That's what I want to be about. Hearing uh, Peggy's story about her obedience to God. What do I believe? What have I learned from this? That God makes you do stuff that sometimes you don't want to do. Yeah, that's a learning process. You know, all the time I think God is calling us to things and we fight and we push back and we choose our own path and, and yet this call to obedience is one like that. God calling me to something that I didn't think I would want. And yet God has plan and a purpose in it. And I think that's probably what Daniel was doing. I don't want to be in these places of authority. I don't want to see these kinds of visions. Now, he doesn't say that. I'm filling in commentary. Um, That's just my own thought of what he would think. But I'll play the role that I'm supposed to play I never wanted to necessarily stand up here week after week and preach, and yet God has given me the the ability and the opportunity to do that. But I'm not looking for a pulpit. I'm not looking for a platform. I'd rather sit in a circle with you and have a conversation and look at it together than sit in lines because that's how we really grow. And so over these next number of weeks, I'm not going to have many conclusions for you. Okay, I'm just not. Because I think it's more important that I maybe ask some better questions that you can walk away with. That you can go to your community group with these questions. That you can walk through them together. That you can open up God's word for yourself. That you can, through prayer, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. What does this mean for me? What am I supposed to do in in relationship to what this text is talking about? Because, man, you'd look at these kinds of things and half of its ancient history, Alexander the Great and, and the Medes and the Persians and blah, 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 and some of its revelation and what's going to come in end times. How do I apply that? what do I even do with that and I think that you're going to get a response and I think it will be proportionate to the way that you engage God in this next season the same level of engagement that you give to digging into his word and to prayer and to conversation with other saints will be what you receive back in application and how God wants to move in your life so I want to ask those kinds of questions in this season so, so far we've looked at these four beasts and their meanings and some of it in history, some of it in the future, but we skipped apart and that was for a good reason. I want to go back there, in fact, remembering that Daniel is, is seeing these things, that the color had left him. We're trying to get a visual of what this looked like. So continue to engage uh, your imagination and what this could have and maybe one day will look like not maybe, I take the maybe away, what this will one day look like. Okay, verse nine. As I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him and thousands and thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Enter the Ancient of Days. This is the only place in all scripture that God has referred to as the Ancient of Days, and in fact, we're not even sure that Daniel knew what he was looking at at first, because some of the language says it's kind of a lowercase, like there was this old man is in essence what he's saying, sitting. And then I looked at the scene and what was happening, and as I looked around, I saw people serving and worshiping him and these, these flames that talk about bringing purity is the picture that that would have painted and, and being pure and white, and being pure in himself and bringing that kind of wholeness and cleans- cleansing to the world, it says. And then I understood what was happening as I saw ten thousands and ten thousands worshiping and standing before him. And I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to, the, to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. You ever watch a movie that was like a battle between good and evil, and it built up and it built up and it built up, and then the final fight scene was over in like 30 seconds? You're like, what the heck? All that build up? I mean, I thought we were going to have a long, drawn-out battle. But then you look at it and you go, wait a second. God fighting evil is only going to take a little bit. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. It's not a struggle between good and evil. God is sovereign over all things, and what we learned through Nebuchadnezzar is those powers that are in authority are only there because he allowed them to be there for a time and for a season. And as soon as he wants it to change, he can change it like that. We see this picture of the great beast coming. And, and, and they're ferocious, and they're terrifying to Daniel, and then God just snuffs him out. Like, that's it. That's the end. And yet we're still in this story. The Ancient of Days steps on the scene, and we have clarity of what's really going on. He continues in verse 13, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so I look at these and I think, Better question than, than conclusions are, what are you afraid of and why? You know, I'm afraid of losing the illusion of control. I came over the phrase that made sense to me for the way I look at the world. It's like, I don't have to be in control. I just have to know that it's under control. And if it's out of control, I'll take control, okay? Like, I, I hate sitting in meetings that are led by other people because I'm just like, There's so much more efficient ways to do this. You people are driving me nuts. Okay? And then if it gets out of control, I'm like, all right, I can only take this for so long because I'm about to take control of this. And yet it's always only ever the illusion of having control, but that's where my fear lies until I'm reminded of the one who is in control. What are you afraid of? The beast's? The nations, the next empire, that's the pictures that we have here. And I think in this world, we have so many fears of things that are out of our control. And so many questions that we have that we don't have answers to. And we look to governments that are possibly trying their best or possibly looking out for their own good. And we're fearful of that. And we're fearful of authorities at every level that have been placed above us. But remember, God is sovereign over all things. And nobody is in authority except for those that he has placed in authority. And so what are you afraid of and why? Where is your hope? Where does your hope lie? And then you have this question of whether you are going to feed your fear by sitting in front of the news, by reading the paper, by flipping through Facebook or other things, and feeding these fears of things that we don't have control over or immersing yourself in hope. That's our choice day in and day out. Do we feed our fears or do we immerse ourselves in the one that we can have hope? So how will you spend your time, how will you spend your energies where will you spend your days? Will you be in conversation with other believers, opening up God's word for yourself to figure out what he is talking about, what he's leading you to? Or are you gonna waste your time on other things? I'm not telling us not to be informed. I'm not talking about that. But, but there comes a point in time that your information is all filled up and then you're just feeding your fears. Now, maybe it's totally different for you. Maybe you don't struggle with that. But what is it for you? Where do you have to remember that God is sovereign over and over again? And those are the times and the questions and the places that we need to put our hope and our trust. It says that there was a stone from the mountain not cut from human hands that would come and crush the others. That's God's kingdom and God's dominion that will reign forever and ever. The Ancient of Days, God the Father sitting enthroned in a place of power, bringing purity to the world, making it available to all. Maybe again, instead of helping feed others' fears, you need to continue to be a purveyor of hope to other people. You know, we see protests all over, and we see people with signs. And I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I think that we can change things by being a part of the system. In fact, I'm going to start a protest. We've actually been doing it. But we're going to protest every Tuesday morning. And we're going to go to the authority, and we're going to demand that he listen to us. It's called just prayer. We've been doing it every Tuesday for months people are willing to go to the street corners, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but how about you come fight with us in prayer to the authority, to the one that's ultimately in control, who is offered every time to listen to us, that we can come to him with our request, but more so to listen to his response. Join us this Tuesday, 7 o'clock, right in that room. Come out. You can join us on Zoom. If you don't have a Zoom code, uh, just catch me after service and I'll give it to you so that you can log in that way and be a part of this with us and actually make a change in this world because God has invited us to this throne and the one who has been given power and authority over all things for all time, He says, is sitting at the Father's right hand to intercede for us so as we pray, the Son is talking to the Father on our behalf on the things that bring us fear, on the things that, that bring us dismay, the things that distract us. And he's willing to hear those things and act in your life. So join us in those ways. We're gonna continue to worship through song and just second bands coming up now. And I'm just gonna read part of this again. So we can exit with this thought. If, if you want to take communion, uh, we have that available. Again, we are encouraging all of our community groups to take communion together. If you're not in a community group, join one now for real like, you have to do this with other people. You can't just do it on your own. And so come and see, me. we would love to get you connected to a group. Uh, and you can grab communion elements that are right out on the coffee bar on your way out. Take those home for, uh, to take that with your family. You go down the steps where there's some quiet spaces to spend with God, however you want to do that. But I saw in the night visions... And behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall never be destroyed. Amen.